Did you have anything prepared? Because I had a couple thoughts that I prepared. Did you? Yeah. Motherfucker. No. Yes, 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 yes. In this bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers, we talk about counterculture, combat aesthetics, and our mutual interest in militancy. Well, that's the thing with these kind of militant organizations or countercultural movements in general. Like the first thing I learned when I was in Outlaw Motorcycle Club was that, you know, your, your rivals define you in some respect. And as outlaws, our rivals were police, you know, which made me proud. And our, right, and our enemies were always big, notorious clubs. And I, and I, I find that, that interesting in a countercultural respect is like how whatever, whatever culture you're representing, not being aware that who, who it's against and how that organisation, institution, establishment idea is defining you. There's a quote that Douglas uh, from Death and Junior uses a lot, much enemies bring great honour. Um, and I remember when, when you were first talking about Death and Junior, I was very interested to hear how you got into that. How I got into Death and yeah. Junior? Like, oh, how for... did you hear them? Like where, how did, where did they come from in your life? I, I heard of Death and June through my partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leah introduced me to Death and June. Um, and I, I became obs- because I was I was quickly obsessed by martial music, which is very odd because it's been absorbed by kind of right leaning. Some would call them almost fascists, um, who like listening to this music as well. Um, but it's a lot of music that uses militant drums, and kind of sounds like marching music but it's also very cinematic which I enjoy like um working out too when on the rare occasion that I <laughs> on that on that um lunar eclipse moment where I choose to do some burpees but yeah I, I really enjoy it because it feels like something Mishima would nod to Death in June and Mishima both share like a substantial um uh not in terms of size, but it's substantial in terms of like we need to acknowledge this like right-leaning kind of like affiliation or, or, or fan. So what do you make of that like personally being not at all from that world or interested? I mean, I don't, I don't relate it to nationalism. Um, I like it purely as an aesthetic thing because I, I really, I love the aesthetic of militancy and I always have. I don't know why. Um Probably because I was I was I was raised in an environment where the Mujahideen was seen as heroes, who freed us against the Soviet Empire. So um, I was always into guerrilla militancy, like the Tamil. I was interested by the Tamil Tigers, you know, um, Etta. I was, I was super interested in um, Che Guevara, like most young lefties are. Um, before you figure out some of the atrocities that he was responsible for. Um, I was just interested in how these massive superpowers were overthrown by young men and women loaded with ideals and conviction. Um, but yeah, and, and that, that, that led to a, 
you know, like I love wearing tactical clothes, um, but so do military people. I don't know. I just like, I just enjoy the aesthetics of it and uh, the sound of order, you know, and discipline. Those kinds of things get me off, even though when you look at my desk, it's the messiest fucking desk in the world and my life is anything but ordered or disciplined. Well, you're wearing a mayhem shirt right now, which <laughs> nothing could more, <laughs> more perfectly illustrate uh, that. Like the, I mean, aside from the fact that mayhem itself is such a wonderfully evocative word, but um, a band that like uh, had a aesthetic that was very militant and also had a internal structure and um, and scene that was complete violent chaos. Yeah, and they wore patches on their vests. <laughs> Just like we did, but I think I, I think there's something, yeah. There's something about the way uh, we think about what well, I think about armies, like. Um, and I thought about this like um, when I was making that Audible project, No Gangsters in Paradise, and I was thinking about like the death penalty and life without parole sentences. Um, because I was interviewing a person who'd been sentenced to life without parole at the age of 21. And I was like, this is so fucked, man. Like we're, you know, we're essentially killing this person. We're we're locking him up and throwing away the key. Like what an evil government this is. But then it's like how naive am I? We kill people all the time. Like murder is a language where we're, well, we're really well-versed in. I think I read somewhere that Australia was in like the top five weapons importers in the world. Like, we'll, and, I, and there's something about the way the army um, wears that on its sleeve that, yeah, there's something about that married with the aesthetics of combat that I really... I guess it made sense to me in the environments I grew up with where death and violence is an everyday occurrence. People people get stabbed, people get bashed, people get left in the streets. Dudes waiting for a train get king hit and robbed. Like that, that shit happens. We just live in a very sheltered society where we try to ignore that and I guess my fetish for, for that aesthetic comes from that. Like it, it comes from acknowledging that. Combat and death is a set. It is a necessary thing for for our societies, and 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 it, yeah, I don't know something about that that and I, and I liked. I think it's terrifying, and I, most of the things I like are quite terrifying, and that's why I like them because they make my brain tick in a certain way. But yeah, it's pretty. The way that we've formalized it in the military, the way we've made it a process and a procedure, this clinical scientific thing that we do, murder and kill, overthrow regimes, create disorder, steal oil, overthrow and ruin um, century-old civilizations, the way we wipe out and create genocides. It's just, yeah, there's something... In a micro way, that in my in my societies and the way the systems were broken, in the undercurrents of those communities that made 
yeah, in a very deranged way, made uh, me enjoy that aesthetic. Mm. Why do you like them? What you said definitely resonated with me. There's a couple of things that were really clear, though, because this is like quite a recent fascination of mine because I was only ever really attracted to or interested in um, left-wing militancy and I would never have paid any attention to militancy that wasn't explicitly left. So even stuff that was like apolitical, I wasn't really even like musicians, artists or um, writers unless they were aligned with my idea of what, like, you know, true politics or proper kind of um, revolutionary methods or aims or ambitions were, I wasn't really interested in it. But then I think I, I saw the, the consequences of that mentality that I shared with a certain small group of people and I saw where that would take me. Like, and I saw the, the, the kind of narrowing of um, ambitions and the, um, the narrowing of imagination. Yeah, I mean, for me it was just a bit, it wasn't as intellectual. Like I was just in an environment where you wanted to do and get involved in things that people didn't want you to get involved in, so... Well, that society probably didn't want to exist, and so I was always reaching for the limitate the far, the far reaches of unacceptable kind of cultures and or subcultures, and a lot of that started with gangs, but in in art and in music. I mean, it's every teenager surely goes through that, right? Like they they start digging around and wanting yeah, to find the fucking definitely the all rudest. Saying, all I'm saying is that the 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 rudest to me, or the the most true form of rudeness, was always aligned with like um, anti-capitalist or anti-fascist or anti-racist or anti. You know, it was very politically. It was. It had to be rude, but it had to be politically correct. But you, but people, I think we need to be a bit older, honest with ourselves. You got to apply that brush to everyone if you're gonna do. If you're gonna start playing that game, like, don't listen to fucking Michael Jackson. Don't listen to Tupac. You know, don't don't back Mike Tyson in anything he does. You know, like, don't. You've got to be pretty, pretty staunch. And I'm just not that staunch. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I, but the, also, I'm not fucking insecure about who I am. Like, I don't want to aid aid and abet these people, but you know, I think it, it comes back to me being selfish, probably, and uh, liking liking music. Like, I like some fucking Michael Jackson records, man. He's a fucking freak, I know, but I like them. Um, but. Yeah, do I want to be supporting him? No, fuck no. Like, you know, but I'm, I'm not insecure about myself. It's a complicated thing. Like, it's. I think it's, I don't think I'm smart enough to be able to articulate this position. All I know is it's probably not appropriate to, to give these people money from streams or whatever, you know. 
but it, but sometimes I'm fucking, I'm selfish. I don't know. How? What do you do? Do you do you stop listening to Tupac? I mean, well, no, I don't. I don't. And and there's definitely a um a hangover in this kind of resilience that's come from being so um, having such a correct collection of music and books that like I would always ensure that I would read what was correct or listen to what was correct or whatever, you know, that kind of mentality. Um, it, 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 again, it stifles your imagination. You, you, I guess the important thing that I'm trying to highlight in that kind of trans transfer for me was that I can understand that mentality and it's the same mentality that drove, that drives like um, any kind of ascetic, like any any kind of overtly kind of Christian moralism. Um, but I I kind of respect that. Like, well, don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong, I respect it. But if you can have the there's fucking something extreme in it that would appeal to someone like you, because it. But but what you what you would want from someone taking that perspective is um, that they would go all the way with it. And that's, completely yeah, diligent, and that's yeah. that's my attraction as well. Is that I suppose like I approach this coming from having been in that extreme mentality, and and I was as interested in that extra, extra, <clears throat> extreme, like totalitarian, like sober, disciplined mindset where like I would go really far with. With with anything that I went with as far as my thinking at, at that at the time, and that would include I wouldn't have listened to to Tupac, you know I wouldn't have listened to Burzum, no way, like not no I would not have watched the Polanski film or something like that, and the shift in that for me was when you realise that the limitations on your imagination and your 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 curiosity about the world, like where, when you realise that those things happen. And you don't address it, like you're you're killing yourself. So I, I've, I, as soon as I kind of clocked to the fact that I was so locked away from any impulses, um, influences, like basically anything that wasn't kind of safe and acceptable. The other thing is like the, these things that were the people that make the most sense to me as a as a young migrant in this place growing up, the post nine eleven and all that shit. The only people that appealed to me are people that had endured and experienced really fucked up things. And they were the people I could relate to. You can listen to the rest of this episode by subscribing to our Patreon. There's a link in the episode description. Litmus Media.